Welcome to Everything Imaginable, the podcast for curious minds from KGRA Radio. And here is your host, Gary Cochilillo. Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cochilillo. And before we get started, I want to thank all my listeners for listening and also thank the contributors to this podcast who are executive producer Candice Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, senior editor Amanda Steele, author of Ghosts of Me, binaural production engineer Damien Keller, author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great, and monthly co-host Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us. If you are interested in becoming a contributor to this podcast, go to everythingimaginable2020.com and you will find a whole bunch of information there on how you can contribute. And now, without further ado, our guest for today is Preston Dennett. We're doing our monthly UFO news episode. And there is a ton of stuff going on. Thanks for coming on today. Hey, thanks, Gary. Yeah, always excited to talk to you. Um. So so let's uh go right into it, man. What do you think is going to happen next month? Do you think there will be some type of disclosure, or do you think it'll be just a bunch of FIFA documents that, that have been released 10 times over with maybe one or two words that are no longer redacted? <laughs> Gosh, you know, I wish I had the inside scoop on this. I think we're all kind of, waiting with bated breath on what's going to actually happen. But I think we're going to get something. I don't think it's going to be old stuff. I think now we've got some you know, really high-level people within government taking this seriously. We've got senators talking about it, representatives, presidents. Obama came on TV, made a statement. Uh, so this is, this is a big deal. You know, we haven't had any real movement with disclosure for decades. Last mm-hmm. three years, we've started to slowly ramp up, but this year, wow. <laughs> so what happened, what's going to happen next month? I'm thinking this is going to go you know, one of two ways. Uh, we're either going to get you know, sort of some stuff we've kind of already known. It's going to be a little bit of foot dragging, a little bit of mealy-mouthed hand-wringing, saying, oh, uh, yeah, we have stuff that's unexplained but we don't know what it is it could be russian it could be chinese we don't know we're not calling it aliens Uh, (laughs) or they're gonna say yeah we have hard proof we know there is an alien presence we can't explain it we don't know who these guys are Uh, i think what a lot of people are concerned with in the ufo community um you know a certain certain camp certainly that this is going to be, you know, spun in a negative way to make the ETs look like a real threat to humanity, mm-hmm. which I don't think uh, is genuine. I mean, I don't see, see these guys as a threat. I don't. You know, in my own 35 years of research, I I feel pretty confident that this is good news for humanity. I don't think they're here to hurt us take us over, torture us, eat us for lunch, <laughs> anything like that. I, I mean, I really, really don't. And it's, 
I'm basing this on, you know, actual cases, because uh, there's a lot of speculation out there. But if you look at what actually happens to people, say, when they're taken on board, uh, I don't think it's a threat. I really don't. So that's my main concern. But yeah, I am waiting, waiting, waiting <laughs> to see uh, <laughs> what is actually going to be revealed. Pretty excited about it. I am, too. I'm curious. Um, you know, one of the things that I wonder about is why now and why was it sort of slipped into the COVID release, relief bill? <laughs> yeah, right. Like, what a strange place to put a, a UFO disclosure. <laughs> yeah, I kind of feel like dis- disclosure has been a, a dam that's been weakening for a while. You know, like it's hmm, a lot of leaks in this dam, you know, just use going with that analogy. <laughs> it's been springing a bunch of leaks for a long time and people are getting soaked. <laughs> there is a flood coming of information. They, there is so much that I don't think they can hold it back. There is pressure, I think, from the UFO community, certainly, the, the researchers, and there's a lot of them now. Mm-hmm. A lot, a lot of people are looking into this, and many of these people are you know, well-educated or have high, you know, big jobs within government, so to speak. So I think that's one front. There's just right. the whole experiencer front. All the people who've been having these experiences, uh, that's another sort of part of the pressure here. I think also, and this I don't think we should discount this, is the ETs themselves. Because let's face it, they've been putting on a publicity campaign since, well, 1947 at least. That back in that year, that there was a huge, huge super wave, which swept across the United States and the world. You know, that was the Roswell crash, the Kenneth Arnold sighting. Uh, that was when people first started really reporting onboard experiences in any kinds of large numbers. That's when we started having waves of sightings regularly. I mean, we know they've been around forever. We've got evidence of this, but not like what's going on over the past. You know, 50, 70 years. Right. And uh, I think ETs do have an agenda to have open official contact. So that's another front. I feel like the government, the secret government, all that, but it has gotten a lot, so much pressure now that they realize if they don't do something, they will lose control of this phenomena, of people's perception of this phenomena. Uh, and that's a big deal to them. You know, governments like to control people. <laughs> um, I don't think they're doing this for the, quote, good of the people. That's right. not, right? That's not been their MO. No. I mean, that's really not what they're about. Just look at the uh, civil rights movement. That was not embraced by our government. That was pushed through. That was an idea whose time had come. And that's kind of what I think is going on with the UFO situation. And that's why I feel like they had better do a good job with this. That's why I'm encouraged. I'm really, really hoping we get more than just some blurry photos and a piece of metal and some more pilot testimony. I want to see some really good footage. I want to see the Roswell craft. I want to see the bodies. I want to, I think they, they should put them in a place where people can 
open it up to the scientific community at the very least, and just say flat out, they're aliens, extraterrestrials, they're here. It's so, they know, they've known, they've known forever. And we've got pretty good proof of this. Interesting. I think like disclosure in some ways um, loosens the grip, the government's grip on us. Because automatically, like disclosing the existence of aliens and and these crafts um, shows that they don't really, the government themselves does not have complete control. Right, right. (laughs) This is, make no mistake, this is a top secret subject. Some of these whistleblowers hold, many of them, I mean, Lou Elizondo, they hold top secret clearances, many of them. Uh, And that's not a coincidence that people who are disclosing are people who have high clearance levels within government. Uh, This is a subject they take very, very, very seriously. They've put forth an enormous amount of effort, a lot of our tax dollars, a lot of time, a lot of money, to work on this subject, to study it, to keep it secret. Uh, Yeah, it's something I think that they're in a little bit of a panic about because these are people who are stronger than they are. (laughs) And from, I think, a military standpoint, Mm -hmm. I can see why they're a little bit nervous. Like, oh, this, this is a threat, not to Earth, it's a threat to their ability to control the situation it's a threat to their jobs it's a threat to their trying to get you know our tax dollars uh to you know continue this cover-up so i think that's why they want to spin it as a threat like well we need money to fight the ets i mean really you you think you can fight these guys if they wanted to take over that's not happening do you do you think that there is a a war within our own government about this issue. That there are certain people in the military, in the Pentagon, that feel that it should be disclosed, and then there's other people like, oh no. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I think we've got, we know this. I mean, there's been a lot of research into you know the Kennedy assassination, uh, and the word is he was planning on disclosing. Yeah. Uh, and we have to wonder about James Forrestal, who quote, commit, committed suicide by mm-hmm. jumping out of a window. A lot of researchers have looked into that don't believe that for a second. Uh, yeah, I do think there's lots of strife, lots of disagreement, lots of arguing. I just did a video on uh, the whole uh, Edwards Air Force Base complex of sightings, which, as you know, there was allegedly a meeting between President Eisenhower, mm-hmm. right, and the yeah. ETs, February 20th, 1954. A lot of evidence supporting that it started out as well, not even rumors. I mean, we had firsthand testimony from the beginning. Yeah. And apparently some of these people who were involved in that incident, and they were not just Eisenhower. I mean, reportedly Einstein was there. Hmm. There was you know, Edwin, Edwin Norris of the um, Brookings Institute. There was leaders in journalism, leaders in politics, leaders in religion, leaders in spirituality. Um, leaders in science, uh, all types of really high-level people were there, and they were arguing about whether or not to disclose back then, and that was what the ETs allegedly wanted us to do. 
So I think there's been conflict from the beginning and probably it's intensified right now. Wow. Do you think it is, it is possible that the ETs have just reached a point where they're like, this has to be done or we're doing it for you? So I, in my mind, I think that's what it really has to come down to. Yeah, I think that actually may be the biggest um, motivation for the government uh, because I think the ETs are right on the edge of that. And uh, the reason I think that is because I'm being told that by contactees. Mm -hmm. um, that's one reason. Another is just looking at UFO behavior. I wrote a book called Schoolyard UFO Encounters. The last 50 years, they've been hovering over schoolyards, <laughs> landing in 30% of the cases. The Rua Zimbabwe case, mm -hmm. the Ireland. The favorite that one? one. That's not unique. That is not unique. <laughs> I know. It's weird. <laughs> uh, this is what I part of their publicity campaign. Honest to God. My not my most recent book. I just put out a new one, but right before that, um, I put out a book called uh, UFOs at the Drive In. And this is so strange. I mean, this is something that took me by surprise in a field I've been researching for thirty almost thirty five years. UFOs are hovering over driving theaters. I had a couple of my own cases, one really good one, then ran into three in a row, dug in deep and found over 100. They are, same thing, they are hovering over drive-in theaters at night, showing themselves to crowds of 100, 200, 300, 400 people at a time since 1950 up to the present day. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's a clear display. Because they're not just like, you know, people are outside at night and like, oh, there's a UFO flying by. No, no, these come down over the screen. And when I say over the screen, I mean like 10 feet up mm -hmm. over the screen, 50 feet up, right, actually lower in many, many cases, half maybe. They come below the level of the screen, hovering to the right or to the left. And then they stay and then they flash their lights. And then they start moving around and darting. They put on a show. They will even release smaller craft. Sometimes it's a multiple craft. This is what I'm talking about. This is a publicity campaign. And this is why the government, the secret government, is... Hmm, I want to swear right now, but I won't. This is, what, this is why they are in a complete panic, I think. They're, like, they're, they're going to show themselves. Uh, and I think... That's another one of the reasons we haven't had open official contact is because our governments have been very slow to disclose. They have not been truthful, transparent, or forthcoming for 70 years. And that's why I'm jaded. I'm like, okay, now you're telling the truth? Why should we believe a word you say? Hmm. You know, so I, I don't know how this is going to roll out, but I'm so curious. I am too. What do you think would happen if he tried to spin it as the aliens being a threat in a way to raise more money for weapons and this space force crap and, and, and all that? I mean, do you think at that point, if they try to spin it that way, that the ETs are, will definitely like they'll have no choice but to, to come out themselves and be like, hey, no, that, that's not the case. We would have wiped you guys out. Yeah, I'm, it's going to definitely intensify an already volatile political 
uh, <laughs> arena. Can you imagine bringing in you know, that? You know, politics is already just on fire these days. So I can't imagine putting this kind of gasoline onto that fire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's going to be a very interesting thing to see. Uh, and I think what would going to happen is there's going to be some people like feel vindicated. You know, there's a certain, uh, you know, portion of the population who does feel threatened by this. They do. Uh, there's a number of people who feel like this phenomenon is demonic. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to say it's not. And I'm saying that because I've studied demonology. I've got all the books by, you know, Ed and Lorraine Warren, world famous demonologists. I've studied you know, old religious texts about demonology. No, no, no. I think that there are you know, really nasty spirits and demons, and for that matter, angels. Uh, I think the evidence for both is really quite compelling. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they're UFOs. Um, so th- I think that crowd is going to have a little bit of a difficult time dealing with this. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's going to have a, definitely waves in all areas of human society, religion, politics, economics, uh, the preppers, you know, people come waiting for the end of the world. Uh, this is going to cause waves for sure. But I think if our government says, oh, these are our enemies, well, I, for one, am ready to dispute this. Uh, and I have good, good evidence that this is just not the case. Right. And what I would first talk about is the more than 300 plus very well documented cases of people who've been healed, physically healed, as a result of a UFO encounter. And I would point to the messages people get when they're taken on board. Warnings against nuclear proliferation. Uh, I would point to the what happens to people following their UFO experiences. They're spiritually awakened. They start having all kinds of psychic events, precognition, past life recall, astral travel, healing abilities. They, by and large, become very concerned about our planet, about animal rights, about human rights. Uh, so I think if you just look objectively at what's ETs are doing, you can come to no other conclusion that the, they're not evil. We're not here to take over. There's no really good evidence for that. And I think if our government says, oh, yeah, they're evil, they're going to be dealing with a large number of people who are ready to dispute that, mm-hmm. ready and waiting. Yeah, I, I don't know what will happen if that's the case. I mean, I've had a my share of guests on this show who who claim that the aliens are multidimensional beings and are evil. They're nephilim and you know demonic and all of that. And um, you know, I don't know if they're confusing aliens with something that's multidimensional. Um, or, or if it's just human instinct to um, just demonize the things that we don't understand. Yeah, I think, well, I mean, we're raised in a very fearful way. You know, stranger danger. And yes, fear saturates our society. It really does. 
uh, and it's it's unfortunate uh, because I I think most people are good. You know, uh, I think we do fear the unknown. I think that's a natural reaction, which mm-hmm. I certainly can understand. But if you get to know people, they will give you the shirt off their back. And I don't care what race they are, what level of education, color of their skin, or their political affiliation, or, or anything like that. You get to know them, and you will see that we are all the same all over the world. We all want the same things. We just want to you know, be with our families, you know, have fun, garden, what, 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 you know, watch TV, play music, cook. And we all want the same things. Yeah. Learn, discover, uh, and just lead our lives unmolested. And there's a lot of, I think, purposeful divisiveness, which is unwarranted and really not even true. Pe- people love each other. I think most people on this planet mm-hmm. are good people. And I feel the same way about the ETs. Most of them are good people. Their behavior falls into the same umbrella as human behavior. And if you think they're going to take over our planet, I mean, are you out of your mind? <laughs> they have ships that can go to any star system. You know how many planets there are out there? <laughs> I think they really want a polluted planet filled with violent beings. Uh, it's so crowded here. No, no. I, in fact... In my latest book, yeah, a lady asked flat out, are you here to take over? And that's exactly what the ET said. So it's not just me saying, you know, this is my opinion. No, I'm taking this from actual cases. This lady I interviewed from uh, the East Coast mm-hmm. had full-on contact, conscious contact with gray ETs. Had a long, long conversation with this gray. He's like, my name is Sen. <laughs> Gave her his name, of all things, and just told her all this stuff. She's like, why did you contact me? Why, why? And he said, well, you know, we are, our race is dying. Uh, you know, we're having real trouble reproducing. We needed your genetics. Uh, you've got this really amazing ability to feel. You guys are very physical, and we're somewhat ethereal. Uh, and we really need to sort of get some of our genetics back that we have uh, genetically manipulated out of us. Um, so they have lost some of their ability to have very strong emotions, some of the grays. Not, I'm not going to include all of them because um, you always get into trouble when you do that. There's many different types of grays. But I'm hearing this same story from people over and over again. Uh, the grays are not here to take over. The very worst I hear is this physical examination, which is, yeah, very scary for people. And I can see why people might come away from an exam being like, I didn't like it. Nobody really likes going to the dentist and having a root canal. Nobody wants surgery. But we know it's for our good. It really is. Uh, And I think that's why the grays have gotten, to a certain extent, a bad reputation. Undeserved. Mm-hmm. Unwarranted. Interesting. Um, how about like other species though, like the reptilians? I mean, they always are put in that basket of bad aliens or mantis. Yeah, yeah I wonder about the reptilians. 
And then I'm not, I'm not going to <laughs> say they're our friends because I don't have a whole lot of cases where they are super friendly. I don't have a whole lot of cases personally, period. I've looked into it. You know, there's a lot, a lot of information about the greys. Not so much information on the reptilians. Uh, I do know that some people have had very friendly encounters, and I've talked to them personally. Uh, Barbara Lamb is one. She had a face-to-face -face encounter with a reptilian who was very kind. But I talked to another lady. She's like, mm, I felt like it wanted me for lunch. I really do. And she ran. Uh, so I wonder if that is perhaps an evil element on our planet that is causing us all kinds of problems. Hmm. Perhaps, perhaps, you know, that is why we have some really bad situations going on here. You know, the unequal distribution of wealth and the greed and the corruption and all these sort of things. Because uh, it appears, one lady I talked to uh, is pretty certain that the reptilians have been here since dinosaur times. And uh, when you know the dinosaurs went extinct, they went underground to sort of survive this, you know, what we would call uh, existential crisis. You know, where the entire Earth goes through a major disaster, whether it's you know comets hitting the planet or what have you, uh, they went underground and have been here forever, <laughs> and they feel like it's their planet. And if they have the ability to shape shift, as some people say, and gosh, I hope they're not infiltrating our you know human race and politics because there's a good portion of people. <laughs> who believe that some of our world leaders are reptilians. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know if I believe that. That's very conspiratorial and very fringe, but mm, I'm not going to rule out anything until I have the evidence one way or the other. So reptilians, yeah, uh, yeah I don't know. I'm gonna kind of on the fence about them. Praying mantis, um, I've talked to a lot of people who've seen them. And I feel pretty much about them like I feel about the greys. They seem to be very, very advanced, very intelligent. I interviewed a Navy medic, Kevin Cannon. Uh, I told his story in one of my books. He talked to them for over an hour, and he said they were so, so damn intelligent. They told him flat out, we speak all the languages on your planet. They told him that they're in touch with all the major governments. They said that they've been watching us for millennia, but since we started exploding nuclear bombs, we have attracted thousands of alien races to come watch us because we're on the verge of destroying ourselves. And this is why this message of nuclear proliferation and the dangers of it is the number one message from all ETs uh, across the board, maybe not reptilian, but you know, are reptilians even ETs? Most people see reptilians don't see a craft or a UFO. Uh, so that's another thing that you know makes me arch an eye, eyebrow. <laughs> um, what are we dealing with here? The, the praying mantis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not. They're very scary looking. You know, they're giant, giant bugs, eight, nine feet tall, taller, huge eyes, the size of a basketball. I can see why someone might crap their pants when they see one of these things. Uh, but they're basically the watchers. That's what they called themselves. And that's a term that we goes way, way back. So I think that's what they are. They're just sort of 
guardians, watchers. You know, when I was interviewing Terry Lovelace about his um, experience, he was in, when he his craft, there was multiple types of aliens all in the same craft. There was the greys. He said the... Uh, the examiner, the one I was examining him, was a prey mantis. And then he encountered one other species, which seemed to be like maybe the dominant one, that he really didn't know how to describe. So it seems like maybe they're all working together. Yeah, I think that's a fair statement. This is what I've heard from other contactees. I think the reason for that is because they're so telepathic. There are no secrets among extraterrestrials. They know what each other is doing. All of them. They don't have a government like we do, where we, you know, can't we can't communicate very well here on this planet. This is one of the causes for all types of wars and conflict. It's because we are not as telepathic as perhaps we once were, or sh- certainly should be. Telepathy is a, a real phenomena proven in a laboratory setting the research on it is incredible Um, and people really 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 need to start waking up these abilities because that will change everything can you imagine if nobody could lie anymore all these politicians which are lying uh, (laughs) and we know they are we've caught them red-handed right down the line (laughs) i don't care which you know political party you are a lot of you guys are liars. Yeah. Uh, and that won't happen if we can wake up our abilities. And that is a huge, huge agenda on the part of the ETs. Mm-hmm. They don't have government like we do. They are cooperating together. And we see this over and over and over again. Travis Walton case is a good example. I think Betty Andresen talks about this. Many of the contactees who have really you know, conscious experiences, uh, very extensive experiences, talk about this. Uh, so I think that's sort of the rule, not the exception. Wow. Um, how about the whistleblowers? I know in your new book, too, you have a whole section on whistleblowers. Yeah, yeah. A few of these accounts are some I've been sat on for a few years because uh, I just didn't have, you know, room in my you know, recent books, but I had to get them out. Uh, it's time. Uh, it's absolutely time because uh, there are so many whistleblowers out right now. Uh, one guy I talked to, uh, well, all, all of them were actually fairly high in levels of government. I, I was able to contact Mel Hansen is his name. Uh, he was a rocket scientist, actually, and he was working at Malmstrom, uh, in 1967, when the very famous Malmstrom um, missile incident occurred. This mm-hmm. is very well known in the UFO literature, where multiple UFOs showed up and started shutting down our nuclear missiles. Robert Salas was the original whistleblower on this. He was underground, uh, mon- monitoring all the instruments when he had guards up top, topside, Telling them, ah, there's a UFO at the front gate. <laughs> there's UFOs hovering <laughs> over the missile sites. And he was the, he wrote a book on it, F- Faded Giant, I believe it is. Excellent book. 
And since he went forward, many others have come forward. And uh, Mel Hansen, the guy I uh, talked to, heard it on TV. <laughs> and uh, he's like, wow, I guess I can talk now. Because he was told not to talk, as were all the witnesses. Uh, but they flouted those rules and just went forward. And Mel Hansen was topside. He was right next to one of the missiles. Uh, when this UFO showed up, he said it was massive, very dark, blocked out the stars, totally silent. person he was with was freaking out. He's in radio contact with his superiors. They're like, stay in the Jeep, stay in the Jeep. <laughs> he got outside. He wanted to look at it and uh, could not identify it, obviously. And it shuts down the missile site, shuts it down. And the missile site immediately goes back onto emergency power with the diesel generator. Well, guess what? They shut that down too. <laughs> the missile site had double backups and it went online again with battery power. And guess what? ET shut that down too. They knew exactly what they were doing. And so it went fully down completely. And, uh, yeah, it's an amazing incident. He was there, decided it was time to come forward. He wanted to do his part for disclosure. And it caused big, big waves at very, very high levels. And from a military perspective, I can see why they freaked out. Like, what are these ETs doing? <laughs> this is bad news. Is this a hostile act? No, it's not a hostile act at all. It's a friendly act. They're trying to save your life. Don't you get it? <laughs> it's a very clear message that if you have something in your possession that could not only kill your enemy, it will kill you too. If you launch that, what do you think is going to happen? The other side will launch too. Mutually assured destruction. MAD. <laughs> There's a good reason for that acronym. It is madness to think what... <laughs> I can't not even think that these guys have any intelligence to be able to think that this is a pathway that has any use to anybody. It doesn't. And that's why the ETs, I think, did that. It was a very flat-out strong message. And if you look at where we have used nuclear power in any capacity, whether it's a nuclear power station, a guided missile cruiser, you know, a ship, a submarine with nuclear-tipped torpedoes. I've talked to people in all of these situations, people within government. First hand, I've talked to them. And uh, they've all had encounters. This is the ET's number one concern, for sure. Interesting. What is the highest-ranked person that you spoke to, or whistleblower, the story that you have heard um, that um, just, you know, like it's just, it just comes undeniable. You're like, this, ha this, this has to be, a, this has to be true. Um, I love talking to the military guys because they're trained observers. Uh, well, there's Kevin Cameron, a Navy medic. Uh, there's Ray Sachs. He was an electrician's mate on the uh, USS Klamagar. Uh, let's see, I talked to a submarine navigator who... You know, he's retired from the Navy. Uh, but that's a pretty high-level position. Mm -hmm. uh, some One guy was a 
government contractor. So he wasn't really within government, but he worked for them. Uh, he, and he's definitely a whistleblower. I think people up and down the ranks. Uh, I, I've talked to a lieutenant colonel. Uh, Duncan Wilmore was his name. And uh, that was many years ago. And he promised to disclose. <laughs> he says, yeah, I worked right next door to Blue Book. I've got a really interesting story for you. And he didn't disclose. He tried to pull me into another pathway. He towed the party line. He's like, no, there's nothing to it. <laughs> there's no threat. There's no threat to national security. No, there's nothing to it. I was there. I'm like, okay, well, what about this case? What about this case? And, you know, he couldn't really answer that. Um, yeah, the whole national security issue is very hot potato. Because <laughs> while he's, Blue Book says, oh, there's no, nothing to this. It's no threat to national security. Every single government body that has looked into this on an official capacity, the Robertson panel, the Condon committee, Project Blue Book, all of them have said there's nothing to it. It's no threat to national security. When they knew full well, in their minds, it was a threat. Uh, so they're being totally disingenuous. Mm -hmm. now, now, if they come forward now and say, oh, it's a security threat, mm, um, I'm, I'm going to be like, wait, wait, you didn't say that with Project Blue Book. <laughs> you didn't say that with the Condon Committee. You didn't say that with the Robertson panel. These were official government studies. They took, you know, what amounts to a, a three, four million dollars, if you, you know, account for inflation, to study the UFO phenomena. They took a lot of our tax dollars to lie about the UFO situation. So, uh, I, I don't know if I trust them anymore. Their I history of lying them. is too long. No, I, I don't trust them either. And, and like when you say like national security, I think the only national security that they're a threat to is uh, those who are in power. I, I think to regular people, it's a good thing. And I believe like, too, like one of the things that you mentioned was telepathy. You know, one of the things that I think the government is afraid of the most is for human beings to realize their full potential um, use of their consciousness. Exactly. And that's why we have chemicals in our water. That's why the Food and Drug Administration, you know those commercials on TV? <laughs> Take this you know, medicine. It may cause anal leakage. <laughs> may <control laughs> have uncontrollable body movements, which may be permanent. <laughs> Does cause death in a minority of cases, blah, blah, blah. I mean, they go on and on. Some of these commercials are two minutes long of side effects. I'm like, what are you talking? They're trying to dumb people down. They really are. I totally, totally agree with you on that. That is our, I'm not going to say the government because there's lots of good people in government. There really is. The United States is a great um, experiment, so, so to speak, of, of government for the people, of the people, by the people. And it largely is. And on the other hand, it's largely an illusion. <laughs> We're still all wage slaves. There's, there's still an enormous segment of the population which is disenfranchised. Our, look at the Senate. Look who's in there. Count the women. Count the black people. 
how many presidents have we had that aren't white males? One. <laughs> We've had one? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, our government is not representative, not truly. Uh, and it's time that that happens. Yeah, it's time for people to wake up. It's time for people to really understand that you do have the ability of telepathy. You do. You are autonomous. No one can order you around. Right. You can. People can levitate. I wrote a book on this. You can actually physically levitate. There are 330 recorded cases in every culture stretching back over a thousand years. Uh, this is incredible. Mm -hmm. The evidence has, it's been proven in a laboratory setting, by the way, by scientists over and over. It's not speculated. It's been photographed, it's been filmed. It's a controversial subject to say the least, and it's not super well known, but it should be. We can tell the future. We can do telepathy, clairvoyance, precognition, past life recall, astral travel, we are interdimensional beings. We have incredible powers. And anyone who's in contact with ETs uh, to any degree, um, th this really is a big thing. I was just looking at the people asking, you know, what's the pattern? Who's being contacted and why? Um, it's evenly divided between men and women. It's not blood type, all races. I've had people say, oh, you know, why aren't black people being contacted? Like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Have you read my books? There's, there's, what about Betty and Barney Hill? I mean. <laughs> right. You know, every book I've written has people of color in it. You know, um, people who've had experiences. Um, they're not prejudiced. They're not. They are absolutely doing their best to wake people up. And this is a pattern I see. Many, many contactees are profoundly psychic. Profoundly. One guy I interviewed from England, he's not happy about the Greys. You know, he's had a lot of traumatic experiences. They examined him. It was painful. Uh, he doesn't really like them. But he does say that he has regular out-of-body experiences. And his wife is super-duper psychic. They're both having encounters. He feels it's absolutely related to his ET contacts. So I, this is another reason why I'm really encouraged about these guys. Um, they are not trying to dumb us down. They're not trying to make us ignorant. They're trying to educate us. They are trying to wake us up to who we are and what we can do. Mm. Yeah. And, and, and that's the complete opposite of what the government wants for us. Exactly. You know, I just, there was a show on uh, Expedition X with jo Josh Gates. Yeah. Oh, actually, that was just on last uh, week, and uh, I was super excited because I was had the great honor to be a part of it. Awesome. They interviewed me about UFO activity over Catalina Island, and I'm like, they contacted me because you know I wrote a book about uh, activity there, mm -hmm. and uh, they're like, oh, you're the expert here. I'm like, well, hello, sort of. <laughs> you know, I, I have documented 150 cases. Of, objects coming in and out of the water there and they wanted to know why they wanted to go there and try and call them down and guess what they did they had oh you got to look at this episode they filmed a ufo a uso coming straight up out of the water oh, wow. no kidding they filmed another they had three really outstanding captures 
and I'm just grinning ear to ear about this because uh, this is not a coincidence. I know, I know, I know the ETs are they're on top of things. They are trying to disclose in the in a way that's not going to cause society to collapse because mm-hmm. they could you know they could just come right down. Uh, but no, the, they're doing it in a gentle way. And I think they're like, all right, here comes Josh Gates. A lot of people like this show. Let's put on a little <laughs> show for them. I was so happy to see that, you know, they actually got some really good footage. I have to see this tonight. Yeah, I've, I've been getting contacted by uh, a number of people who saw it. So uh, I'm super excited about that. And just, I heard an interview with Jacques Vallée. Uh, just recently with Grant, Grant Cameron, and he's talking about UFO healings. I'm like, yeah, you go, Jacques. And he actually <laughs> mentioned me. I'm like, wow, people come back. Like, Did you hear Jacques Vallée s- said your name? I'm like, I'm like oh, wow. Because, you know, he's kind of one of my idols. He's mm-hmm. been involved in this field. Since. He was one of the first scientists to say, hey, guys, let's look into this. There's Jan Hynek. There was Jacques Vallée. There was James McDonald. Um, who else? Oh my God! Almost nobody. There was a few. I know. I'm sure I'm missing some, but uh, those guys were true pioneers, and he's still around. He's still doing his best. He's, he's got a best-selling book out right now. That's so cool. So yeah, th- <laughs> this is such a great time for UFO research. Things are hopping. Oh, it's amazing. I'm so excited to find out what you and I will be talking about next month. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right. Like, yeah. like I just don't know. It, it, it's, it, it's, it confuses me, really. Because if there is disclosure and then contact, what will happen to our governments? Yeah. Um, there's going to be some rocky roads ahead, I think, for governments. Um, you know, people have been working on this front of this. Disclo- I mean, look at what's going on with Stephen Greer. <laughs> All sorts of controversy. Um, and he is a true pioneer of the disclosure movement. Yeah. He was one who set the record straight and brought forward a bunch of high level military and mm-hmm. government industrial complex people in front of Congress and had them testify. There was a huge press. God bless him for doing that. And no matter how you feel about him, you know, in terms of a contactee or a researcher, he's done some excellent, very important work. There are a lot of people working on the disclosure front right now. Uh, so, and I, I'm mm, kind of... I don't like to see controversy among them, you know, infighting, I guess you might call it, uh, because that's, I'm not sure, really helping the situation. I kind of get it because there's been a lot of disinformation in this field. We ha- have known government disinformation agents. Uh, <laughs> and I am pretty sure that all UFO groups are infiltrated with them because if you ha- look at the history of UFO groups, mm-hmm. And I'll point to the first one, APRO, Aerial Phenomena Research Organization by Jim and Cora Lorenzen. True pioneers, definitely my idols. I love their books. I would recommend them to anyone. 
um, they started the first citizens UFO group. It was very popular, APRO. Uh, MUFON is largely patterned after APRO. And they were infiltrated, flat out infiltrated by the CIA. And uh, NICAP, too. <laughs> um, all of them are. There's been all kinds of controversy surrounding MUFON. I support MUFON. I, I'm a member. I'm a field, field investigator. I took their test. I don't work directly with them in terms of field research. Uh, but I certainly speak for local MUFON groups fairly regularly. Uh, I refer people to MUFON. I, I think it's filled with really good people. Uh, many are, you know, lawyers, they're scientists, they're biologists, they're photographers. Uh, they're people who are really interested in getting the word out. But I also know there's people within the intelligence community in there. If you look at you know, if you do your research, not, I'm not going to name names, but you know, some people within high positions within MUFON have connections to the intelligence community. They do. So uh, I wonder about that. Their leadership has changed over and over again. That's another thing that always makes me scratch my head. Another thing is like, why is, does membership remain fairly flat, fairly level? with so much interest in UFOs, this is an organization that should have 100,000 members. There are Facebook groups with 100,000 members. <laughs> Why does MUFON have like 6,000? I think it is, or 10. I don't think it's 10. Uh, and it's kind of been that way ever since I joined. I'm still a member. I joined all the UFO groups. I am not going to let go of this subject. I'm not. I want to see the Roswell craft. Show us. Show us, show us, show us. You're making me want to swear again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the things that, like, too, is I, I believe, you know, I, I, and I believe um, Bob Lazar talked about it, um, that not all the crafts that we have um, came from crashes, but some were found in archaeological digs, just to kind of show how long this has been going on. Like, we've been digging crafts up. Yeah, I wonder about that, and I think some have been just simple accidents. Supposedly, Roswell was brought down by lightning. I don't know if that's true or not. My yeah, I've heard lightning, and I've also heard like there was some kind of microwave radar weapon that they were testing, and they were brought down intentionally. I was doing an interview with Kevin, was it Kevin Randall or Tom Carey? One of them um, had mentioned that to me. Yeah, and I've heard this in first-hand contactee cases. Like, oh yeah, you know, sometimes our craft are brought down by your radar, which interferes with our navigation system. And that's why you might see UFOs kind of doing these weird patterns in the sky. Uh, and these guys fly on magnetic, you know, ge geomagnetic lines of force, which are somewhat unstable. Uh, and increasingly unstable with our sun kind of flaring and CMEs going off periodically. Uh, it's not easy to fly a UFO, and I think it can be very dangerous. And people are like, oh, how can these guys possibly have an accident? I'm like, well, nobody's perfect. Um, and I think the large number of UFO crashes, and it's not just Roswell, there's, if you look into it, well over 100. I'm mm -hmm. going to say hundreds. I think the large number of UFO crashes we see 
is because the UFO activity is far more active than people realize. And I've said this many times. If you look at MUFON and New Fork, they're getting, what, 10, 20 reports daily, but only one in 10 report their encounter. I'm being very generous. It's actually closer to one in 100, but let's just say it's one in 10. <laughs> that would be 200 daily in the U.S. So wait a second, 200 daily? That means at any given moment, there is you know, a sighting going on. And if it's 100, well, that's 2,000 daily. And that, I think, is probably more accurate. And that's why I think we're, see we're seeing fairly large numbers of UFO crashes. So it's, yeah, not only archaeological digs, it's crashes. And I think there's some good evidence that we are purposefully using weapons to bring them down. Um, there was a book by uh, Helen Littrell, Rachel's Eyes. She talked to a guy who worked at Area 51, I think it was, or somewhere thereabouts, and he talked about how it was his job to go up to these UFO crashes and uh, coordinate with the ETs. He was very telepathic. He developed this ability, and that's why he rose all the way to commander. Uh, and he spilled the beans flat out to her. Spilled them. It's an excellent, excellent book that is a sleeper and should be far more widely read. Love that book. I spoke to Helen firsthand because I'm like, I have got to talk to this lady. And I asked her, I'm like, is this guy for real? This colonel? She's like, yeah, yeah, he's absolutely for real. Um, wow. She wrote this book because her daughter, Helen Littrell's daughter, uh, shared a room at college with an uh, alien hybrid was brought into society to sort of interact. Helen Littrell's daughter was legally blind, so she never really got, you know, it was a perfect situation to sort of <laughs> bring in this hybrid. Uh, What's the name of this book? Lady. Rachel's Eyes. Yeah, excellent book. The information that's out in the UFO community now is absolutely conclusive. People say, oh, you know, there's you know, there's no proof. I'm like, mm, wait a second here. <laughs> Have you looked at the work of Dr. Roger Lear? Have you looked at the work of Ted Phillips? He's the uh, guy who's researched landing trace cases. There are some really excellent landing trace cases. Trans-en-Provence in France. This craft that landed in France was heavy enough to bend railroad ties. I mean, it was heavy. Look at the Lani Zamora landing in Socorro, New Mexico. There was metal fragments left there. I don't think a lot of people know that. <laughs> there was burns, mm -hmm. gla glassified sand. Yes. Um, it's an excellent, fairly conclusive proof of extraterrestrial existence. So saying, oh, there's no proof. I mean, I'll point to the 20, 30, 40, well, it's probably closer to 100, but there's at least 40 really good cases in the public arena of radar visual cases where people have seen UFOs and they were caught on radar. This, and these are military officials, you know, people of very high standing. Look into the evidence. If, people who don't believe in UFOs have not done their homework. 
Right. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, for me, it's not something I question at all. You know, it's just obvious. Um, I wonder, you know, um, like, what do you think is going to happen to the UFO community? Like, will we still have something to talk about if there's complete disclosure? Oh, yeah. Well, I, I, wish, <laughs> I wish I would. Uh, you know, I really do. I wish that, you know, there was official government bodies. I think that will happen. I think this, at some point, is going to get into the history books. They're going to talk about the Roswell crash because it is history. I think we're going to see this action being taken on all levels of government, municipal, and um, what was his name, Jeff, Jeffrey Peck. He tried to get an initiative in Colorado passed to have an official government body to promote truth and transparency between the government and the people studying UFOs. And uh, he got enough signatures to put the initiative on the ballot, but it didn't pass. I think we're going to see real movement in that arena. I think we're going to see a push to put get this into the history books. I think we're going to see probably some federal investigations, a federal investigative body, um, probably from presidential administrations who will order the intelligence community to look into the UFO situation. And perhaps there'll be a cabinet member. All right, I'd like you to head the UFO, the exopolitics cabinet position. Because uh, my understanding is this is already happening. We are having diplomatic relations with ETs. Um, the President Eisenhower meeting is just one example. Mm -hmm. And don't think for a second that that's unique. Um, we know that this happened at Holloman Air Force Base. We know this happened in other bases across the U.S. And if that's true, well, probably happened in England, probably happened in Russia, probably happened with all the major superpowers. Uh, so I think that information is going to come out. The, the Eisenhower ET meeting is just one. I am guessing many, many that just like it that have taken place. That's going to come out. How do you think this is going to affect the world on a global scale? Uh, I think UFOs will be news, mainstream news. Absolutely. I think there will no longer be what we call the UFO mystery. And calling it a mystery is kind of passe, because we really do, I think, certainly within very high levels of government, they know. Um, we have all these theories. Oh, they're time travelers. They're interdimensional beings. They're demonic. <laughs> they're this, they're that. Uh, no, it's been my assessment pretty much since the beginning uh, that we're dealing with people, biological beings like us. Yes, perhaps they can manipulate time better than we can. Um, yeah, they do appear to have mastered interdimensional travel. That does not preclude them from being extraterrestrial. You look at the evidence objectively and throw away your misconceptions like the stars are too far away or they shouldn't look like us or well, how come they speak English and blah, blah, blah. Throw that all away and just look at the evidence. Um, I think the evidence speaks for itself. Yes, extraterrestrials are real. Uh, 
And if you talk to any mainstream astronomer who looks up at the sky, they will tell you that they believe in UFOs. They may not say, oh, they're visiting our planet, but they will absolutely say that the chances of us being the only life out there are minuscule. So minuscule as to be absolutely probability zero. I mean, it's just not going to happen. There, um, this is going to, the world's going to change big time. And I think the biggest changes will be in every arena. <laughs> Healthcare. Because if we can get this ET technology, they're all about health. They are examining people. They've healed people of what we would call chronic conditions. We need to get that technology to use. Spirituality. It's going to have a huge effect on religion. Many, many people that I've talked to who were religious have an encounter and kind of move away from it because organized religion doesn't really have a whole lot of room to sort of categorize this. Uh, so a lot of people who are religious look for answers elsewhere and become much more what we would call spiritual. So I think it's going to have a huge effect on religion and spirituality. I think uh, technology, oh my God, we don't need fossil fuels. We don't. And our government has known this for a very long time. And this is one of the driving forces behind the cover-up is economics and uh, you know energy and fossil fuels and our oil-based economy. That is going to be probably one of the biggest changes. Uh, we can have free energy. Uh, this is going to change travel. Because if we have you know, flying cars, which we were supposed to have by now. <laughs> uh, that's going to change everything. That'll change property values. That will change people being bound to our planet. Because uh, we have the ability, apparently, to travel to other star systems. Many whistleblowers have said this. Can you imagine taking a vacation to Vega or Alpha Centauri or something like this to Talked to a number of contactees who've had tours of the solar system. Leo Sprinkle saw Jupiter, or I mean, I'm sorry, Saturn. You know who Leo Sprinkle is? Very famous researcher. Right. He's written books. Um, he's also a contactee. ETs took him on board and showed him Saturn. Talked to other people. It's in one of my books. Um, people have had this experience. <laughs> That's going to be something that I am really looking forward to because I would love, love, love to take a tour around the moon. That would be awesome. Do you think this will end war among humans? Um, I think this is a lot of the hopes of the major benevolent, spiritually advanced world leaders uh, because I think some world leaders are good, good people and some aren't. Um, war is a business. Uh, we have corporations selling bombs to both sides. Can you imagine? <laughs> that should be illegal. We should pass a law against that right away. In fact, weapons of destruction should be illegal. There's really no need for wars. There's enough food for everybody. There's enough land for everybody. There is enough of everything for everybody. And these wars are fostered. They're encouraged. And uh, I think it does have the... Reagan talked about this. He gave public speeches and said at least three or four times publicly, if ETs showed up, 
this could end wars. You know, we would all become the human family. I think it does have that absolute potential. And I sure, sure hope that's exactly what happens. This has been one of the ET's big messages. This has been the main obstacle to open official contact is our warlike ways, our tendency to shoot first and ask questions later, later our ultra-aggressiveness, our fear of anyone who's slightly different. I mean, they nearly landed on the White House lawn. People, I heard Michio Kaku, <laughs> world-famous physicist, say, oh, why don't they just land on the White House lawn? Oh, I wanted to run up and shake his shoulders. I'm like, <laughs> <We have. laughs> they did, they did, and what did we do? They, we chased them with jets. We were shooting at them at that time. Uh, it's my understanding we stopped doing that because we lost a number of pilots. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Michio Kaku has said a number of statements where I really, really want to get in a room with him. He talks about, why don't they just give someone an artifact? I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I really want to talk to him. Um, and there's another uh, high, high profile astronomer, uh, Michael deGrasse. Is that his name? deGrasse Tyson? Neil. Neil. Neil yeah, yeah. Neil, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Who, who made kind of negative statements on UFOs. Like, I'm not sure I believe. I'm like, all right, hold on there. <laughs> let's, let's show you some evidence. You know, let's look at, no, look, <clears throat> just look at this recent show on Expedition X. I want to hear what your explanation is for this, Neil deGrasse Tyson, of this USO coming out of the water. Tell me, what is this? Tell me. I want to know. Explain it. Do you think that the, um, Aliens have had bases on Earth and on the moon and other places in our solar system? Yeah, yep, I sure do. Um, I, I'm not the only one who feels this way. One of my books is called Undersea UFO Base, which was really the whole Catalina Channel um, complex of sightings. I think there's pretty compelling evidence that there might be... A, people have been inside it. <laughs> I've talked to them. <gasps> They've been inside some sort of base. I don't know whether it's necessarily undersea, but I suspect it is because some of these cases involve many, many, many objects. Uh, uh, Mount Shasta has been pointed to towards being a possible base because uh, a number of people have been allegedly inside of it. And not just one or two, it's dozens who have come forward saying that they've been inside Mount Shasta uh, and other areas, I think, across our planet probably do have bases which may account for why you know, there are high levels of UFO activity. And as far as on the moon, oh yes. I dare anyone to really dig deep into the Apollo and Gemini missions. Look at what Chris Kraft said. Look at what Maurice Chatelain said. Look at what a bunch of NASA insiders have said. Look at the books like uh, by uh, Glenn Steckling, We Found Alien Bases on the Moon or by George Leonard, somebody else is on the moon. <laughs> um, there's some very compelling evidence. Uh, there are a lot of researchers looking into this now. And I've talked to contactees, a number of them, who have been taken to the moon, maybe not landed on it, but some claim to have, by the way, but many have been like taken in UFOs to the moon, and they've seen stuff. I talked. Here's a guy I talked to firsthand a whistleblower who said he saw photographs taken by the astronauts. He was a petty photographer, mm -hmm. had his top secret clearance bumped up, 
and uh, I mean, had his clearance bumped up to top secret and actually photographed the astronauts when they came back from quarantine and um, photograph, you know, developed a bunch of their photos. He says there was so many of it, he probably developed less than 1%, but a bunch of it showed strange structures. So, yeah, I do think there's maybe not functional alien bases, but I think, yeah, there are functional alien bases on the moon. I really do, <laughs> just based on the evidence that's come forth, because people have seen... Now, this is actually a known astronomical phenomenon. It's called TLP, Transient Lunar Phenomena, Lights on the Moon, which they originally thought might be gases you know, exploding, but they know now that the moon is geologically inactive. But it's also got weird changes on it in the terrain. And lights, bright lights, appear on the moon, particularly during a lunar eclipse. And the Royal Astronomical Society once asked people to write in, and they got hundreds upon hundreds of responses from amateur astronomers and professional astronomers. Uh, as soon as telescopes were invented, we started seeing TLP, transient lunar phenomena. And these are sometimes in rows or in crosses. Or, uh, and there's some excellent, excellent footage out there on the Internet of what appear to be lights on the moon. Mm -hmm. Yes, there are alien bases on the moon. Absolutely, I'm convinced. Right. I am too. I had one of my guests who was an experiencer say that they were taken to the moon. And it was like on the dark side, they were like, it was like an entire extraterrestrial city. It was like super advanced with skyscrapers and all kinds of crafts buzzing around. And it sounded very active. Yeah, I certainly wonder about it. Because remember when one of the astronauts went around to the dark side of the moon and he said, Santa Claus does exist. And there's conspiracy theorists feel like, oh, that was a coded message. Uh, and there are you know, reports that uh, Neil Armstrong saw them when he landed. Mm -hmm. And all many of the astronauts have you know, not come forward, but they've certainly made veiled statements uh, that seem to point towards it. I think they're under a very strict gag order. Uh, but look at like Edgar Mitchell. Yes. He has done all kinds of interviews with yes. UFO research. I mean, he was all over the place up until his passing. Um, and he said flat out, yeah, UFOs are real. I've seen them. He didn't say on the moon, but I feel like ugh, he should have. I, I really wish we'd have some astronauts come forward. Look, like uh, Gordon Cooper. He said he was at Edwards Air Force Base when a UFO landed, and it was filmed. On film, caught on film, landed on the runway, and he saw the film himself, passed it up to his superiors, and never saw it again. And here's my message to the disclosure guys. Let's see the Gordon Cooper footage. That's what I want to see. <laughs> Let's see the Eisenhower meeting footage. That's what I want to see. So I think they do have the evidence. Wow. Well, I hope we do get to see that. Um, will you be disappointed if they just come out and say, we have this piece of metal and we don't know what it is? Yeah, because they did already say that. They have already said that. Flat out, the Pentagon said, we have material from other worldly vehicles. It's a direct quote. That's huge. Slid right under the radar. I was talking to, you know, my friend, people at work. You know, I work at a, doing bookkeeping. 
And I'm like, did you hear? The government said UFOs are real. You know, we have metal from otherworldly vehicles. And I'm like, what? What? <laughs> um, no, they, they did not hear it. Uh, but this is starting to bleed into popular culture. Here's kind of news, kind of interesting news for me, certainly. <laughs> I was contacted by Keeping Up with the Kardashians of all television shows. <laughs> Not kidding. They called me up because they wanted to learn how to call down a UFO. And I did a Zoom meeting with them. The show aired last month. It's being repeated pretty regularly. <laughs> uh, they actually you know, took my advice. I said, meditate. Go out there late at night. You're in a UFO hotspot. Get a flashlight. You know, you just call out to them. They will hear you. They're very telepathic. And uh, they showed up. They caught it on film. <laughs> they did. And I, I think this is, again, the ET's like, all right, here, let's go on reality TV. <laughs> this is another way of reaching a wider audience. Interesting. And, uh, yeah, are, are they, were, you... they were very nice, by the way. <laughs> Chloe, Chloe and Kim were really nice. Wow. Nice ladies. That is not a place that I expect to find you. <laughs> Me either. Let me tell you, I had never in a million years thought I would be talking to Chloe and Kim Kardashian. <laughs> but I did. Um, so what did you kind of give them? Did you give them like the advice from like, um, like using like a C5 type of technique from Stephen Greer stuff? Yeah, yeah. By the way, I've been on the cutting edge of this from the beginning. I put out an article way back in the early 90s calling all UFOs, about how to call down UFOs. And Stephen Greer included my two cases in his first book. He's like, here's how you call down a UFO. Here's a case, an excellent case, the number one he referenced, from Preston Dennett. I'm like, wow, oh my God, he's quoting me. He says, here's an, the second example. I'm like, here's another good example. And this one is also from Preston Dennett. I'm like, all oh, right. And, you know, I talked to him. He's like, yeah, your article really gave me a kick in the pants and got me to, you know, get C-SETI going. Wow. And that was high praise, you know. And he came over to L.A. And this is how I found out. He was quoting my, my research. I'm like, oh, my God. He formed a C-SETI group, and we went out the first night. And no kidding, first night, there was 50 of us right outside of L.A., overlooking the San Fernando Valley, which has over a million people in it. <laughs> a very densely populated area. And a UFO showed up. Granted, it was quite high up. But some guy shouts out, hey, look, what's that? And we all looked up, and you know, I've taken a bunch of astronomy. Astronomy was one of my main interests in college. And I looked up and I could tell you right away, this was not a satellite. It was half the size of a full moon. It was a weird blobby shape. It wasn't a shooting star because it was moving across the sky in a very slow pattern. And it was huge, milky white, weird shaped object. I don't know what the heck it was. And that was just our first night, first sighting. <laughs> we went out the second night, much smaller group. It was a, happened to be pretty cold at that time. I think it was August. It just happened to be a really cold, windy night. So the group had gone down from like 50 to like 20 or even less. And we had weird strobe lights coming over our group. 
and we formed a group of about 10 core members. And we went out for years, five years, alternately, you know, every month, every couple of months, you know, kind of irregularly. But we had a number of really amazing sightings of usually anomalous lights. But uh, man, oh man, some of them were close up and really profound. Yes, you can call down UFOs. And so that's what I told the Kardashians. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, Stephen Greer sort of refined me methods on how to do it. Uh, but it's all about telepathy. It's all about consciousness. It's all about calling out to them. He uses very specific visualization exercises, which I think work really well. But but I did this for the Learning Channel. You know, I, I did this for the show Encounters with Stephen Greer, and a UFO showed up. There's a really good sort of mixture of ingredients. If you bring a contactee, someone who's having regular contact, and a UFO virgin, someone mm -hmm. who's never seen a UFO but really wants to, uh, that's a good recipe. So because I feel like UFOs want to show up to people who haven't seen them. And uh, that seems to work best. But there are groups all across the U.S. doing this now. Um, yeah, this is something I want to try. Oh, you've got to try. It's thrilling when they show up. It's wow. thrilling. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely want to try it. I downloaded the app, and I was surprised to discover that there were other people in my area that are into it. So, Because I live in a pretty remote rural area. Yeah, it works. It absolutely works. You can do this on your roof, in your backyard, in a crowded city, uh, and see stuff. I think it works best if you go to a hot spot. Most states do have a known hot spot. Uh, if it's New York, it would be upstate, you know, the Hudson Valley. Gulf Breeze, still activity going on there. We have activity here in Southern California. Right. Colorado has the San Luis Valley. Arizona has Sedona. Um, and if you look into the area of your state, you know, you can find out which area. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm about I'm about 40 miles from Gulf Breeze, so. Yeah, the whole Gulf Breeze wave was stupendous. I mean, that was amazing. People were like, oh, Ed Walters, he made a model. You know, he might be hoax. No, I don't think he was hoaxing. Bruce Maccabee still stands by him. Uh, he had a lot of supporting witnesses. And the Gulf Breeze case can remove Ed Walters from it and still be a very intense hotspot. I thought of writing a book about UFOs over Florida, but mm, that's a lot of work. So, so, so many sightings. And besides, <laughs> uh, Albert Rosales actually already did it. <laughs> so uh, I think each state should have a book about their sightings. Yeah, so you, could do, you could do mine, Alabama. Ah, that's, that's definitely waiting. Um, Alabama, gosh, there was a period of time when it was having a huge wave of sightings. It was all over the news. That was back in the 90s again. Huge. It was causing all kinds of nationwide, uh, worldwide, actually, uh, press coverage. So, uh, yeah, every area does have their hotspots. I forget what Alabama's was. But it uh, doesn't surprise me because, you know, you know Huntsville, um, there's all kinds of areas. I think they seem to be very, really interested in Air Force bases, anything to do with mm -hmm. high technology of any kind. That draws them in for sure. Yeah, because like where I live in Alabama, like I'm right on the coast near Florida. Like I'm about 10 minutes literally from Florida. Wow. 
Yeah, I know many contactees who live in the that area, actually, the Florida Panhandle and Florida. A lot of people contact me from the South uh, recently who have had contact. I've talked to, I mean, there's a lady up in Maine who I'm in contact with. She's having regular experiences. Talked to a guy in Missouri. I mean, I've covered the U.S. in terms of uh, people having contact. Uh, there, like I said earlier, they do not discriminate on any level. People who are having contact are people who are doing good work for humanity. That is one thing I've certainly seen. People who are trying to get the word out about UFOs. Yeah. People who are, uh, act, you know, uh, actors, uh, musicians, teachers, inventors, writers, social rights workers. That's huge. Social activists, environmentalists. Oh my God. Uh, people who are involved in spiritual disciplines of any kind, healing, uh, you know, psychic readings. Anyone who's doing good work for humanity in some capacity, they love, love, love. That is a definite pattern. People who are having regular contact in their family because they do follow family lines. That's another thing that they seem to be attracted to. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, they're pretty much non-discriminatory. <laughs> they cool. will contact anybody. Uh, once all the, if there is disclosure and contact, um, do you think that we will be allowed into some type of intergalactic federation? And if we are, do you think one of the requirements will be that we have to scrap this whole Space Force idea? Um, I, I'm very curious about this. Very, very curious because there are a number of people within the community talking about galactic federations. And I've talked to a lot of people and I have yet to hear anyone say that no, I haven't heard that from the people I've personally interviewed. There are a few I've talked to who have said this, uh, and I want to get more information from them. Uh, but in terms of like government, uh, organized, a federalized government, uh, no, I don't see any, I don't see that a lot, if, that, if ever. Um, what I see is cooperation between species. Uh, that I do see. I don't see evidence of warring aliens. Uh, perhaps way, way in the past, a few people have told me. I think there are a few cases where uh, people have talked about this, uh, but very few. I think what we do see is us shooting at them. And there's some interesting footage of us shooting at UFOs that's been leaked by NASA and things like this. Uh, so I wonder about that. But as far as a federation, I'm not sure that it's going to be quite like, you know, is portrayed in science fiction or Star Trek or, uh, but I don't know. I don't know. I think what will probably happen is, uh, there will be cooperation. There will be groups of ETs. Uh, you know, a lot of the people I've talked to call them, don't like that term ET. They call them people. <laughs> they just, and I'm like, oh, okay. They're like, the man, the man. You know, that's how they describe their ET as a person. Because that's what they are. And I think we will have people coming down uh, and saying, okay, you know, you want a tour? Let's, you know, we'll show you how things work out here. And because what their big thing is exploration. Their big thing is science. 
Uh, this is what a contact he told me. They're, like, they're very nerdy, the Greys. They're just like, you know, on the Big Bang Theory, <laughs> Sheldon, uh, who is all into science and somewhat socially inept. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she says that remind, reminds her of the, the Greys uh, because that's kind of how they are. They don't quite understand humans and their body aggression and inappropriate sense of humor and uh, that sort of thing. Uh, so I, I wonder how this will all roll out. I think this is still a very early field of research, certainly in public circles it is. But our government, I don't think it's early for them at all. I think they've been doing this for a long time. And yeah, I think the Space Force and aggression and carrying nuclear weapons into space will not be allowed. I do not think they're going to allow that. Uh, the ETs are already concerned enough. They have allowed us to explode nuclear weapons. We have had Hiroshima and Nagasaki. They didn't stop it. They didn't stop Chernobyl. They didn't stop Fukushima. They didn't stop a major leak at Hanford, uh, the northwest U.S. And uh, I asked about that. I asked a contactee who was having full-on conscious contact. I'm like, why didn't they stop Fukushima? You know, now we're eating radiated fish. And it's really a big, big problem. It cooked a good portion of the ocean. It really did. I don't think people realize how serious this is. Uh, and they said, well, they told her, humanity has to learn to not use nuclear weapons. And if we keep intervening, and they actually said that they have intervened uh, on what would have been an existential crisis, uh, they, they said, if we don't let you guys do this, you don't learn. You're not learning. Uh, so that's why they're letting this happen, so we can see the consequences of our actions. And it's worked to a certain extent. You know, Hiroshima and Nagasaki has not been repeated. Uh, we learned uh, to a certain extent. And we have had unilater bilateral disarmament. There has been major reductions of nuclear weapons. Uh, but there are still you know, more countries trying to develop them all the time. We still carry nuclear weapons. We're still testing them uh, to our own detriment. And that's a huge, huge problem. And that's why we see UFOs over every single nuclear power station. Look it up. It's incredible. We have one in here in California, Diablo. I looked it up. I'm, wow, there's one there. I found them in Arizona. Indian Point Nuclear Power Station in New York. They've had sightings. Anything nuclear is a UFO magnet. Yeah, they're concerned. If we go out into space with nuclear weapons... Do you think at that point they'll be like they'll intervene and 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 take down whatever is taking that weapon out there? Yep, I think they, you know, may have already done this. Uh, we don't have a whole lot of space exploration because remember how, it was a long, long time ago we went to the moon. We yeah, stopped. It's kind of unusual, right? <laughs> yeah, we stopped going to the moon, and we were, according to insiders, we were warned off. Like, no, you're not doing it. You're not allowed. We are quarantining your planet until you get a grip. Now get a grip. What are you doing? You're polluting your own water. You are killing each other. Grow up. And so they're trying to do their best to teach us, but they're not just going to come down and become our alien overlords 
That's not how you teach your children. You teach your children by letting them move out and live their own lives. And whether it's the school of hard knocks, you know, they'll intervene if it comes to a, you know, life or death. But otherwise, no, they're not going to intervene uh, yet. <laughs> I think we're this close. I think we're just mm, inches away from real big, big changes. If this disclosure movement really goes through, I think it has to. You know, if our government starts doing a lot of backpedaling and dragging of their feet and mealy mouthed hand wringing, <laughs> as I like to call it, <laughs> uh, they're going to have a tougher time with this. They really have to. <laughs> and I think what we're seeing is very controlled steps for disclosure to bring this out in as quick a way as possible so that they can still retain their hold of wealth, their hold of power, uh, but still bring this out. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be very interesting because our government can't even get white people and black people to get along besides human beings and aliens from outer space. Yeah, well, they're not trying to get people to get along. <laughs> That's true. Uh, but it's the opposite. <laughs> Look at what's on the news. Anything involving racism is news. Uh, anything involving, you know, people coming together. Well, you'll have to search a lot harder for that. <laughs> and there's much, much, much more news of that. Uh, it's like the shootings. Mm -hmm. shooting about. That's always front page news. Six people, seven people were just shot recently. I think to myself, well, yeah, that's true. That's terrible. But what about the 300 people who died today of car accidents? What about all the people who are dying of heart disease caused by fatty foods, caused by you know, Johnson & Johnson and the whole baby powder crisis? They knew. Tobacco. They knew. Why isn't that news? Look at uh, Monsanto. They're still selling this weed killer that they have been sued over repeatedly and are losing millions of dollars in lawsuits, and they're still selling it. They're on my naughty list. Right at the top of the list. <laughs> oh my God. If they think they're going to get away with this, they got another thing coming. Uh, they won't. They're not going to get away with this. <laughs> you think aliens have a better way for us to take care of our lawn weeds? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny. I, I, I know many contactees who've been given information on this. Uh, gosh, what was that contactee? who's uh, gotten all kinds of flack. Oh, he's a hoaxer, he's a hoaxer. Uh, it wasn't George Adamski, it was, uh, gosh, the sign painter. His name will come to me. But the second half of his book, From Outer Space, Howard Menger, From Outer Space to You. It's a kind of a wild story of ET contact. But the second half of his book is all about gardening and fertilizer. And, how to, and I talked to another contactee who wrote a book. Um, and it's not about ETs. It's about natural gardening, how to get rid of weeds, how to get rid of pests. And this is a big, big thing among contactees. They're all about animals, all about plants, all about saving the earth. It's really incredible. When mm. I, I started noting, noticing this pattern. Like, wow, they are knowledgeable on this subject, and I don't think it's a coincidence. Yes, the ETs are the ones who can tell us how to kill weeds, and it's not by pesticides. How ridiculous is pesticides? Let's poison our food. And that way we'll have 
bright red tomatoes, but they're they're poisonous. Sorry about that. <laughs> Don't eat them. But and they're kind of tasteless, but they're bright red and they're pretty big. <laughs> they, they look real nice. Uh, a lot of farmers are moving away from pesticides now. Uh, the whole bee crisis is pro- most probably related to pesticides. Uh, so I think it's very important that people go organic, organic food. Mark my words, that's going to be much bigger deal than it is now. That's weird. You know, in New Jersey, New Jersey, like organic food was so expensive that that regular people couldn't even afford to eat it. Um, but now, I, like where I live now in Alabama, it's pretty easy. You just go to the local farmer's market and there it is. Yeah, a lot of, you know, the big distributors are just going organic because it's more popular. Uh, but it's not, we're not quite there yet. Uh, so I'm concerned about it. Um, and I think there are evil forces on our planet that don't want to go organic. Cancer is a business. It shouldn't mm-hmm. be. We should have free health care for all. It should not be a business. That is absurd. People should not be making money on people's illness. Uh, that is a complete conflict of interest. So, uh, oh, I mean, just look at what's going on today with the controversies that which I won't even mention because I don't <laughs> want to get anyone kicked off the air. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there's a lot of controversy about what's going on right now. Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. Like, the whole healthcare thing just drives me nuts. Like, I had a seizure a few years ago, and I don't know, man, it cost me like $11,000, you know, for, yeah. for, for, one, for one day. <laughs> I'm like, man. Uh, I went to a chicken place <laughs> uh, and uh, got food poisoning and had to go to the emergency room. They sent me a bill for $40,000. I had health insurance, by the way. And I'm like, hey, hey, what are you doing? Oh, we're saying it was a mistake. I'm like, yeah, sure it was. $40,000 piece of chicken. Man. That is an expensive night out to, out to dinner, man. And you know, all they did was less than an hour. They gave me an MRI and a couple of pills. That was pretty much it. I said, well, you seem fine, you know. You seem fine. We don't see any permanent damage here. I was in a lot of pain. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Well, help. That's another thing. The insurance agencies. Mm. The banking industry. Paul Hellyer, um, who is a former defense minister of Canada, is now one of the highest-ranking government officials to say flat out we're being visited by multiple ET races. Mm-hmm. Has written books about the what do you call, I think that one of the books is the Money Mafia, because <laughs> I mean look at home ownership. Mm-hmm. Banks own your home until you completely pay it off. And they can recover it at any time, even if you've already paid twice its value in interest. That that's a scam if I've ever seen one. And they are already holding all your money. They're holding your money and the title to your house. That's a scam if I've ever seen one. That can't go on. Yeah, I feel like I'm owned by somebody else. Yeah, I mean, slavery was a big, big problem for humanity. U.S. was one of the last countries to outlaw it. (laughs) Strangely, I couldn't believe it when I heard that. I also couldn't believe that there are 
when I heard this, it was, slavery is still a problem. There are more slaves alive now, people being held in captivity and forced to work through, you know, abduction, uh, than there were back, you know, 150, 200 years ago. I, I read this. I don't know if it's true. It's not my area of expertise. But I'm certainly horrified to hear about this. And uh, that's just regular slavery. We are still just edges away from it because people have to work all day, all night, some of them, just to get food and housing. And they can't afford health care. That's ridiculous. The unequal distribution of wealth has got to end. There is no reason for it. Uh, yeah. So these one percenters, I think, are partly responsible for this UFO cover-up. Uh, the oil companies, yeah. Mm. They know. For sh- I'm sure they have their hands in this technology. They, the whole electric car would have been out years and years ago, but the oil industry worked very hard. They lobbied against it. It's coming out now. It's an idea whose time has come. And uh, I think the UFO technology is the same thing. And like Tesla, look at the history of Tesla. If that man's inventions, he changed the world. Yeah, absolutely. And if he had been given more free reign and wasn't, his inventions weren't like pounced upon and covered up and destroyed. And then he was killed. (laughs) Yeah, we would have a much different world than we have today. But he already, gosh, what he did, what was able to do, really brought us into the modern age um, of electricity and lights and mm-hmm. of satellites and w- Wi-Fi, wireless transmission. Um, so thank God for Tesla, who said, by the way, he was in contact with aliens. Yeah. He said it. Yep. Flat out. Oh, yep. I believe I'm in telepathic contact. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, interesting wow. guy. I've got his biography. Really, really interesting guy. Yeah, yeah. He would if 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 all his stuff had gotten out into the public and used, and it would be a completely different world now. Yeah, but we're getting there. And, and, really- and to me, some of it seems like ancient knowledge. Also, I think some of this stuff existed, you know, maybe in a, a pre-human world um yeah well i mean if you look into ancient history and like atlantis Mm -hmm. which which, you know people are quite controversial about but look at the ancient vinyanas or the vinyanas of ancient india oh yeah yeah i I was talking to michael cremo the other day about that Ah. subject (laughs) yeah michael cremo i read his book and i did a backflip because I was all into anthropology in college. And I was really interested in the sciences. I was so skeptical. I thought science explained everything. And, you know, it's done wonders for humanity. Uh, but what, they kept changing their mind and conflicting. And I'm like, what the, what the heck? How old is our modern humans? They kept pushing it back and back. As each year I went into anthropology, they're like, oh, we're changing our minds. And then I got a hold of Michael Primo's book, Forbidden Archaeology. And I just groaned. I'm like, oh my God, they're the best part of archaeology and anthropology is being covered up. And then I found, you know, people are like, oh, you know about the giants? 
right? And I'm like, what? What are you, giants? <laughs> like, yeah, giants lived on our planet. I'm like, no, they didn't. What are you talking about? Look into it. Look at the evidence. And very reluctantly, I did. And was shocked, shocked out of my skin to see that there were hundreds upon hundreds of newspaper articles, uh, which are not well known, um, covering archaeological finds involving giant bones, giant skeletons. And you can trace some of these, and they almost always end up at like a Smithsonian, mm-hmm. which, is, which happens with Bigfoot recoveries as well. <laughs> yeah, all kinds of stuff. Like one yeah. of the things that I'm planning on doing with with one of my guests is uh, there's a story about like a, a cave that was found in the Grand Canyon by G.E. Kincaid, and know about it, this, yeah, and, and it has some um, Egyptian stuff in it. So we're actually planning on trying to scout out the canyon and see if we can find that location. It, yeah. appa- apparently it might be more difficult though, because I don't know, they, they want permits that apparently are unobtainable. <laughs> oh, there's gotta be a way. I, one of the stories in my book onboard UFO encounters involves this guy named James Santiago who went across the Canadian Rockies with a contactee and had this huge UFO experience. It's, somewhat long to get into, but uh, she's had a lifetime of encounters and she's telling him all this stuff. She's a world explorer. She's an artist. She's actually quite famous. Uh, she passed away not too long ago. I wish I could say her name. I know who she is, but sworn to secrecy at any rate. <laughs> she told him that she was, I believe this was in Canada. She came upon this cave because she's guided to it by the ETs. They guide her to all these locations and came upon this cave where it was filled with Egyptian artifacts. Filled. And uh, she's like, this is Egyptian. Oh, my God. And she told the authorities. She's like, all right, this is going to be huge. The world needs to know about this. And uh, she called them back and they gave her the runaround. They were talking to her. She's like, who are you? You know, we don't know who you are. And she went back to the location and it had been dynamited, blown to smithereens. Wow. So there is an active cover-up of archaeological information that shows ancient civilizations, Egyptians uh, in America, giants, giant skeletons. Uh, there's a, all kinds of photoshopped, ridiculous stuff on the Internet with giants. Yeah. Some of it, I wonder <laughs> if it, it isn't real uh, because the evidence for giants is outstanding. It's in many, many ancient writings. Uh, so, I mean, look at David and Goliath. Uh, that's just per- perhaps an apocryphal story, but perhaps it's, there's more truth to it <laughs> than we might think because it turns up in an awful lot of cultures. Uh, Native American oral tradition talks about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were apparently around at the time of giants in the Americas, and uh, they had a hard time dealing with these <laughs> giants who were quite savage. Uh, but yeah, that was another thing that I'm like, oh my God, everything they taught me in school, <laughs> I don't want to call it a lie, but a lot of it just o- omission of truth. Uh, re- when I found out UFOs were real, I was so upset. <laughs> it destroyed my entire worldview. And ever since then, it's been hit after hit after hit. Like, I am so skeptical now. Nothing they told you was true. It's upsetting. It's not funny. I mean, it is. But uh, yeah, for me, it was bad news because I'm like, what? Are you being invaded? 
How can they tell me this? This wasn't in school. I, I was I was lucky because I just didn't believe them to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were smart. I, mean, I should have realized um, our government doesn't is never really been truthful or transparent along numerous fronts, and they have treated people badly, really badly, particularly you know uh, disenfranchised people. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I'm talking about the U.S. government, but governments across the world are not very nice to their people. No. Uh, and that's why we have revolutions. Because the people, you know, there's a structure of power on our planet and people think, oh, you know, the governments are in charge. I'm like, no, no. I think they're the, one of the lower levels of power. Uh, the One of the highest powers on our planet, I think, is the people. The people at large. Because when they come together and when they decide to make a movement, Nothing can stop them. It's a tidal wave. And there are very enlightened people on this planet. I think that's you know, the enlightened masters, so to speak. I think they're having a powerful influence. But I'm thinking that the people who are really in power are ones in very high places. And by that I mean <laughs> up in the skies, mm-hmm. uh, the, the ETs. They are the ones who are really influencing our culture. And it's no coincidence that UFOs are in the top 10 grossing movies. Yeah. Coincidence that most video games, or a good portion, I don't want to say most, I'm probably wrong about that. I'm not a video game expert. I had to get out of it because they're very addicting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, a lot of them have ETs in them. It's in advertising. It's the number one trope in science fiction. A uh, hugely, hugely popular idea. It's it saturated our culture. You can buy little UFO candies, UFO lamps, <laughs> UFO chairs. Uh, it's amazing how much this is in our culture, which, again, I think is sort of a wake-up call uh, and purposeful. Interesting. And we will find out next month, <laughs> next time we talk. How much yeah. the world has changed. I, I hope our conversation goes like something along the lines like, so did you see the Roswell craft? I'm like, yeah, I saw it. I saw it. I want to see the, see the bodies and, you know, some of the interviews with the alien that was still alive. Yeah. yeah just give us a craft. You know, you don't have to give us all of them. Give us one, you know, a nice big 50 footer that we can walk through. Mm-hmm. That would be so cool. <laughs> I want that would be so neat just to touch it, just to touch it. That's something I've d- dreamt of from day one when I found out this was a real phenomenon. I'm like, boy, I would love to just go on board one of these things. I Me really, too. really do. I've seen them. I can tell you flat out. I don't believe in UFOs. You know, people are like ah, oh, there's nothing like you know, believe, believe. Like they're. A poster right behind you. I want to believe. <laughs> um, I, I want to know. I want to know. And I do. I know. I've seen them. I have seen them flat out. I had telepathic contact with one. No kidding. I'm going to be talking about my own experiences for the first time publicly <laughs> <laughs> at the Laughlin Conference coming up next week. Oh, that's the, great. The, the mega... UFO Mega Conference in Laughlin. Wow. Second week of June. 
And yeah, and I thought, no, I couldn't believe they asked me that because I thought they were asking me, you know, speak on one of your books. I'm like, no, we want to talk about your experiences. I heard you've had some encounters. I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, are you a contactee? I'm like, I don't really think of myself as one, but it's on some level. I started to realize, like, well, I guess you could, by definition, I'm going to have to say yes. Even though I don't, I kind of say that very reluctantly. Mm -hmm. Because I talk to some people who are, I'm like, they're being taken on board. You know, they're having all kinds of experiences. And uh, so they're like, well, you are too. Aren't How many sightings have you had? I'm like, well, I'm like, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, well, no, eight. eight. I'm like, oh my God. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I had one guy brought me on the radio the other day. Um, well, a couple of weeks ago, and I won't name his name because he wouldn't say it publicly. He says, I need to tell you this. Um, I'm having encounters with Grays. He did go public with that. But the Grays told him, call Preston Dennett. You need to talk to Preston Dennett. He told me that. I'm like, what? Wait, you're kidding, right? He's like, no, I'm dead serious. They told me to call you. I'm like, why? Why? <laughs> Are you kidding? Grays know about me? He's like, yes. They wanted me to interview you. I'm like, oh, okay. That was kind of cool. And that really made me feel like, wow, that blew my mind. Wow. Uh, so, and I've gotten other indications of that. I was interviewing this one guy uh, who's having encounters. And he called me back the next day. He's like, you know, while we were on the phone, a UFO landed in our front yard. I'm like, what? <laughs> He's like, yeah, my five-year-old son came running in. He's like, dad, a star landed in the street. And his dad questioned him. He's like, what do you mean? What do you mean? You saw a star? He's like, no, no, it landed. It landed. And he's pointing to the street. On the ground, ground, ground. You know, he was a little kid. Just mm -hmm. a, a toddler. But he made it quite clear <laughs> that, that it was not a plane. Wow. Well, I'm hoping that your UFO mojo rubs off on me. Hey, if you want to see one, there are ways. There are ways. Just go out there with a flashlight and meditate with all your heart imagine it feel it desire it intend it sort of mix it all together the intention the desire the imagination the visualization put this all together put some real feeling into it take that flashlight click it a few times visualize your location call out and say listen guys i'm doing good work here <laughs> I'm helping you. I'm publicizing your presence. That's what you want, right? Mm -hmm. That works. It honest to God works. And there are little things you can do to increase your chances. Go to a hot spot. That works. Mm -hmm. Hook up with a contactee. That's how I had some great, great sightings. They're like, oh, I'm having contact all the time. I'm like, really? Can I go out with you? <laughs> <laughs> and they brought it down. That happened twice. So. There are ways, you know, things you can do. That sounds like a whole nother episode. Yeah, yeah it really <laughs> is. That's another two-hour conversation. <laughs> All right, man. So um, before we wrap this up, where can my listeners find you? I am located here on Earth. No, um, <laughs> I, I, I do have a website. <laughs> 
Uh, if you just use a search engine on my name, it should take you right there. Actual address is PrestonDennett.Weebly.com. Got my new book there, Wondrous, 25 True UFO Encounters. Uh, you can contact me through my website. Uh, my books are available on Amazon and other online retailers. I've got a YouTube channel, which I'm just delighted having all kinds of fun with because it's a great plat platform to really bring out information in a more visual way, more uh, easy way, because a lot of people, mm -hmm. you know, they don't, they don't want to read books. You know, they don't have time. That's why I do a podcast. Right, yeah. Which, by the way, these podcasts are coming really, really popular. I um, know, this is, I know. Mine is, mine is really taking off. I, I, I'm like in the top 2% now in the world. I'm like, how did that happen? Hey, you're bringing on some great guests. <laughs> I, I, I bow humbly here. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I think this is the second most popular subject on the internet and has been for years. I think there's one subject that's going to always be number one. <laughs> but, but, uh, yeah, this is very popular. And I'm encouraged to see this going to the mainstream. I can't wait for next month. Me either. I'm now, excited. Boy, wait until this is like part of the person's pub political platform, mm -hmm. which it has been. You know, pre you know, Gerald Ford, Carter's like, I'm going to release the UFO information. Gerald Ford, he was part of the whole Michigan sightings, the mm -hmm. Dexter, Michigans, and uh, he kind of talked about that as well. Uh, Trump talked about it. Obama talked about it. Clinton talked about it. They have all mentioned it publicly. So Biden, <laughs> did you hear what happened recently? No. Yeah, he was asked about UFOs, and he kind of changed the subject and ended the press conference pretty darn really? quick. <laughs> yeah, That's weird because you know he definitely knows a lot because he's been in government for so long. <laughs> Yeah, you know, he's got to so, know. So and he, he's, yeah, he knows. He's in a very, you know, tough presidency right now. This time right now, it's been very strange times. It so is a little I, unusual. So I, I feel for him, but hey, embrace it. Be yeah. the guy. Be the guy who tells the truth. Please, for once, can our world leaders just be transparent, truthful, and forthcoming? It's not that hard. Just tell the truth. Oh, it's exhausting. <laughs> we'll see. We'll, we'll see, see if they tell the truth. <laughs> I mean, I don't think he's flat out light on the UFO subject yet, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Thank you for uh, coming on this week, this month, and doing this disclosure episode. And Hopefully next month we will really have the scoop. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. Oh, shoot, we didn't get into a couple of my other disclosure cases in my book. But, <laughs> hey, maybe next time. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, man, well, hang on one second. Oh, and I'll post a link to your website and to your books in the notes of this episode so my listeners can find you and get your new book. What's the new book's title again? It's called Wondrous, 25 True UFO Encounters. All new and unpublished, or published here for the first time, I should say. You have not heard these cases before. Boy, some are high strangeness. Yeah, whistleblower accounts, a USO account, 
onboard encounters, landings. Oh, I've got some good stuff in this one. That's awesome. I can't wait to read it. It's like you crank out a book a month, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite, but boy, if I could just quit my job, I would right. I would do, do even better than I'm doing now. <laughs> You're definitely disciplined. Yeah, it's so much fun. I am I'm obsessed. I'm not going to lie. This is in my family. You know, when you have family members who are dealing with this, that is a real kick in the butt to get going. And uh, when, you know, I suffered when I found out UFOs were real. This was hard, hard for me. Uh, it took me a couple of years at least to get over it. I haven't gotten over it. Who am I kidding? <laughs> uh, so that's why I work so hard at this. I, I want to see the Roswell craft. I want to see it. That is what I want. Then maybe I'll stop. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sure there's going to be more than what they tell us. Yeah. Hey, there's so much that I can't, it would take them a year to disclose everything. So, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give them, you know, the benefit of the doubt. I really do hope we get some outstanding footage. But I'm pretty sure what they're going to say is, we're dealing with something that we don't know what it is. And that's about it. When they do know what it is. Oh, yeah. I really hope that they just say it's aliens. They know what it, it is. We know what it is. Everybody freaking knows yeah. what it is. Tell us it's aliens. Yeah. So we can start dealing with the experiencers who are like, hey, you know, I'm being taken on board. I'd like to have this dealt with. <laughs> you know, come on, government. I'm being taken on board a craft. What's your opinion on this? Yeah. That's what I want to hear. I want them to address. And I'm not going to call it the abduction phenomenon. I'm, I'm, I, I call it taken on board. Or, you know, a lot of people are invited on board. Mm -hmm. You know, they seriously are. It's a question. A lot of people feel like, oh, no, I'm, I'm being forcibly taken. And, uh, you know, that's definitely, I think, uh, problem. Perhaps this is a communication problem. Perhaps they are actually doing this. Um, I think there's good evidence to say that, yeah, they are, you know, I, I don't want to use the word abducting or kidnapping, mm -hmm. but it's hard to walk away from. Um, I've, I've got to be totally objective here. And I've talked to a lot of people and they've, there's a wide variety of cases. There's ones that aren't so nice, but there are ones that are absolutely wonderful they were invited and the whole range in between but yeah. very few people sorry i'll talk for hours if you let me <laughs> very few people feel that this is evil i always ask that question and nine out of ten say no but one out of ten will say mm, i'm not so happy yeah I, i've heard i've heard the gamut myself on that i don't believe they're evil um, and I also agree with the invitation thing because I've also heard stories where people have been abducted and then they s tell them, they say, no, I don't want this anymore. And it stops. They stop yeah. taking them. Absolutely. Yep. I think if you put forth a great effort of will and make it very clear, you do not want this. If I said yes, <laughs> if part of me said yes that I'm not aware of, because I think that's part of what's happening we compartmentalize our consciousness mm -hmm. we have this subconscious we're all aware on the other side we're all having out-of-body experiences all the time and pe people aren't aware of it 
we're not remembering what they think are dreams. No, no, we're multidimensional beings. And I think this is where some of the confusion is. People are giving permission in a, on a subconscious level. And the ETs might not understand that we're compartmentalizing our consciousness and that the tiny part of us that's actually aware here, way down physically, mm -hmm. does not like it. Um, this is a, this, the part of our awareness that's scared, you know, that it's fear-based. Uh, when really we're, this is the whole reason I think they're trying to wake us up spiritually, to let us know that there's nothing to fear. We, yeah, we die. We're all going to die. But death is... Uh, a healing event. Yeah, we are actually—it's—it's a, it's a lie. Death is a lie. Um, to be perfectly honest, it does not exist. It's a misnomer. We are immortal beings. Mm -hmm. We existed before we projected down, and we will exist after we shed this body and move up to our higher vibrating body. We don't astral project, um, we physically project. Right. Astral projection is a misnomer. We're actually projecting down right now. That's what we're doing right now. And this is something the ETs are trying to teach people. And that's why I'm doing a lot of research into the, what we would call paranormal as well. Awesome. This is, this is the connection right here. Uh, we are interdimensional beings and ETs are doing their best to tell us this and want us to welcome them with love, with open arms, with knowledge, love and truth. That is what should guide people, love and knowledge, not hatred and paranoia. Every action we take on this planet, our first uh, guided guidebook should be love of your fellow person and knowledge. Know everything you can know as fact. Um, and throw away your beliefs. Work on knowledge, not faith-based beliefs. Work on what you actually know, actually for truth, truth and love, and we would be such a better world. I 100% agree. I don't think anybody's going to argue with that. Yeah, because sometimes I'm attacked. I, like, I, oh, you, how dare you say aliens are healing us? You know, they're abducting our children. And I'm like, well, let's, you know, let's look into this. And let's let love and truth guide us. Mm -hmm. and, it, and sometimes I'll present a negative case and a good crowd comes out and, you know, the, the people who are like endorsing the alien benevolence says, how can you say that people have negative experiences? I'm like, hold on a second. <laughs> I am just reporting the facts. I'm very careful with this. Um, this is something I really try very hard to do is just tell the truth. Know what is knowable. And yes, there are people who have negative experiences. I would, I'm the first to say they're not all our space brothers. But let's all work together. You know, you don't, no need to attack anybody. <laughs> uh, no need to attack my character. I've had my character attacked, not my cases. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and that's always a red flag to me. I'm like, oh, well, my cases are standing up. That's good news. They're attacking me <laughs> because that means they can't attack the case, uh, which they can't because it's truth. Love and truth. That's the way to go. We're, we're going to be just fine because I think that's what most people are learning is that w with love, there's no fear. With truth, there's no ignorance. All right.
Definitely. <laughs> awesome. Awesome way to end the show. The super positive message. <laughs> yeah, we need it. These are good times. <laughs> yes, they are. All right, man. Well, thank you for being on. And hang on for one moment while I play the outro. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable on KGRA Radio. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or email him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise to support the costs of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of his page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com. Oh yes, I almost forgot. You can buy his book, Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need, and it's on Amazon. It'll change your life, because remember, everything that exists was first imagined. Hey, if you love what you listen to, don't forget, rate, review, and subscribe.